You're now listening to the Working Poet Radio Show. This is your host, Joseph Lappin, and I'm here with Michelle Okadoner. And Michelle is an internationally acclaimed artist whose work is fueled by a lifelong study and appreciation of the natural world from which she derives her formal vocabulary. Best known for the iconic A Walk on the Beach, the Bronze and Terrazzo Concourse at Miami International Airport, which I happened to walk by on my way here. She has also created numerous public art installations in federal courthouses, libraries, and at art universities through the U.S., and her new book is Into the Mysterium. Thank you so much for being here, Michelle. It's my pleasure. Yeah, great. So you were just saying that you are a working poet. What did you mean by that? Well, you know, maybe 35 years ago, I met a man in New York, John Copelands, who had been editor of Art Forum magazine, and he became a quite a substantial photographer, exploring his aging body, and his card said, John Copelands, assistant poet. Hmm. And I always loved that designation. Mm-hmm. I understood the humility, the humor, and the aspiration all at once. How did you understand that? I had never seen anybody understand that you can't really put poet on your card. You're not that. It's a lifetime pursuit of Mm -hmm. the gathering and the condensation of ideas and visions. It it's like making perfume. You can't have the whole meadow, but you can have the compressed uh, uh, assemblage of flowers that create fragrance. Oh, how long did it take you to come to that conclusion about art? I think over a lifetime, I've, and early on, I didn't attempt to reach out and grab anything. I think I understood it was one foot in front of the other forever, as long as I was upright. Mm. And I look back, and in my high school yearbook, I had written the best thing about the future is that it only comes one day at a time. Mm. I didn't remember I said that at 17, but I think I gave myself that latitude Mm -hmm. to live each day as fully as possible Mm -hmm. and then add the next day and add the next day, as opposed to uh, instant gratification. Mm -hmm. So it was never difficult for you when you were younger to, you never had a ambition with art that made you want to get to where you're going faster? It was always, you were always just patient about your process, creatively and professionally, or? Well, I had, uh, ambition is not the incorrect word, but I would say I was driven. Mm-hmm. That's a better word to describe. I was driven to discover, to find my own voice. Mm-hmm. I had the sense, as I looked at art in museums throughout the world and through books, and I uh, understood the process, starting with Lascaux, which fascinated me, that I had a different voice, that I hadn't seen too many women's voices, Mm. and I do believe gender is um, destiny to some extent, meaning I have seen the effects of testosterone 
and how that drives certain things. And, mm -hmm. you know, this is all positive. The differences are positive. The melting pot is also positive. It's mm -hmm. how we live together. Mm -hmm. But the differences are there to explore as well mm -hmm. and should be not um, uh, kind of um, modified so that we become homogenous. Mm -hmm. So I understood I had a woman's voice. I didn't want to weld huge I-beams together. Mm -hmm. I wasn't a steel worker. I wasn't interested in the kind of the big physicality mm -hmm. of scale, which seemed to dominate when I began my career. Mm. I wasn't interested in painting stripes or targets like, mm -hmm. you know, the painters that were in my graduate class. Mm -hmm. I was interested in the same things I'd been interested always, which were, was the tree, the leaves, the... Only Matisse, curiously enough, explored that vocabulary and mm -hmm. had that interest. Uh, also, you do see it in um, Gauguin, who left Western Europe. But the European model was not as interesting to me as what I'm going to say, the primitive model. Mm. So tell me about, you know, because coming to that conclusion must have been a life's journey. So it, did it start when you were younger, growing up in Miami? Talk about how Miami influenced that journey you just described. Miami, it did start early. Miami was primal and pivotal. Because before I could speak English, I spoke the language of what my eyes were seeing. I saw, I saw the twigs, I saw the, the shells, so I saw the, how the rain hit the puddles and mm -hmm. made ripple effect. I saw some, the tides, I saw waves. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that these are what they call the magical patterns, the spiral, mm -hmm. wave, branching, mm -hmm. random geometry. And um, it was very exciting to know as an as a infant, practically, I was observing these things. Mm -hmm. And nothing could distract me from it. So when did you go from recognizing the beauty in it as a child to recognizing that this could be material for art? When was a moment where you recognized, this is what I need to work with? You know, the Barnett Newman, the artist, wrote a book, and he said the first man uh, was an artist. He picked up a stick and made a line in the sand. Mm. It's as simple as that. I always was this. Mm -hmm. I always identified as an artist. Mm -hmm. When I saw paintings and sculpture, I was drawn to reflect on them, and then in that mirror of mm -hmm. reflection, I could begin to form my own image. Gotcha. So, but then at what point do you say, okay, I want to make this a career. I want to take this as, you know, not, I recognize this is who I am. How do I take that next step professionally? What's so interesting is that uh, when I went to college in 1963, art was not a career. It was mm. a calling. Mm. And it was something sacred, and it was, um, we treated it like the thou voice. So it's different now, then, I'm assuming. Oh, completely. How There's so? No comparison. Mm. Well, there was no money in art. My professors were the starving artists. They mm. were the model of, uh, you know, that we've given up everything, and this is the life we believe in. Mm -hmm. It wasn't... It, that was the 60s. Mm. It wasn't until the 70s with Warhol and Pop that art became, um, received a larger audience. Mm. 
-hmm. And then in the 80s, it exploded. So how did people survive then when in that time? Was it just... Because it sounds like to me it's a different time now that we are... Correct me if I'm wrong, maybe we're assuming that art and creative life should be deriving money. Art has been commodified, no doubt about it. In general? Yeah, all the arts. The only art they haven't been able to monetize is poetry. Yes. (laughs) That's why I think your title of your show is beautiful, Uh, and I reflected on what it meant to be the assistant poet in life. That is exactly why I was smiling, and I'm smiling again. Mm -hmm. Art has been commodified it's become the latest trophy you can no longer mm. go to africa and hunt and come back and compare your lion to the next person's tiger mm-hmm. instead it's these additioned works where one through seven who has one who has two oh mm-hmm. i have three mm-hmm. and you see it's become the game of you know the hedge fund world does this make you sad or how does this no. make you feel it doesn't make you sad no Because the sacred voice has always existed, whether in song or dance or poetry or in, uh, it's certainly there in in sexual union. Mm -hmm. So it will never die, it just changes form. Mm. Mm. You know, you can still have great drummers, you can still have people who live a life that's artful. You you know, it's nothing dies, it gets changes energy changes Mm. so clearly though speaking of change is that you know this seems like a change for you in terms of you you do a lot of installations you do a lot of sculpture now we're doing into the mysterium which is photography but i mean i'm sure you would call it a couple different things and i'd love to hear about so tell our audience about into the mysterium this project and then from there we'll go into the mysterium is right now a wonderful boxed um, sort of a fold out of 80 phot- photographs it's like an accordion i'm holding it right yes. now and open it up accordion is the correct yeah. word and it makes it makes visual music yes visual music i like that so and i was inspired to do this by a woman whose life's work since 1951 has been a million um, collecting, there's a million specimens in Miami. This is Nancy Voss? Yes, under the water that we don't see. And when I worked on Miami Airport, a lot of the source material came from books and I wanted to identify what I was doing in another book of working drawings and it was important to me that people not only saw these beautiful shapes but they knew these were this is us. This is life force. Mm-hmm. Our bodies are 70% saline solution. Mm-hmm. Our blood is the internalized ocean. Mm-hmm. We are from the ocean. Mm-hmm. So we need to see it as a cousin, as a relative, and we need to c- take care of it mm. and not throw our plastic water bottle out of the boat. But interesting because most of these photos are from the Miami's Marine Invertebrate, right? Yes. The museum. Yes. But they're taken out of the ocean and and put into these jars to study, correct? Correct. So I didn't have to put on a scuba dive suit. (laughs) And not only that, I could use um, a micro lens. Mm. I could 
I had access to things mm. nobody could see. Mm. So I went. Why is that important, by the way? That access to something that no one can see is that a theme here? No, it's not. What it was is that I couldn't see this in the ocean. Mm. I couldn't. Um, no one could see it. But if you go there, they've captured it. Mm. And so this is a resource and a treasure for Miami. Mm. And recently I've understood it's like the seed bank in Norway. Mm. It's like a wet seed bank. Mm -hmm. So it's such a extraordinary resource and so visually exciting that I asked Nancy Voss if mm. I could come back and with a camera because how else could I capture mm -hmm. some of this? Mm -hmm. And I met her because I wanted the captions in my working drawing book to mm -hmm. be correct mm -hmm. so that marine biologists could enjoy what um, an artist had made uh, and had used and referenced their life's work. So what, what, I'm, what I'm really curious and, and what I'm imagining is at one point you walked into this museum and it hit you. It must have hit you or what, what was that like? When did you know that this is going to be a book, a photography book? I walked in, I actually set it into the in, the introduction to this book. Mm -hmm. I opened the steel doors mm -hmm. and there was a world that that I saw that opened for me what my eye couldn't see and find. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden I could embrace the unknown and mm -hmm. it was the mysterium because I made up the word. It was a place, it was mysterious, which is an adjective, mm -hmm. but I was in a noun. <laughs> mm. Well, I think that's a great place to leave it. Um, you know, I don't think we can find a better ending than that. Um, it really was a pleasure talking to you, and you are no longer listening to the Working Poet Radio Show. That's great. Thank you.